am the god of jits and wine. You seem rather drunk. I drink and I know things. Welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. This is Extra Shots with your host, the master of drink, Cyrus the Damn Virus, also known as Cyrus Moore. How are you tonight? I am doing great. I am excited to continue the series of our buyer's guides for each of the factions. And today, we will feature the buyer's guide for Faction Stark. But before we begin, we have to start the show off right. Ah, so for the Starks, I decided to go with a honey mead. It just felt right. Now, I have no idea if this particular mead I'm drinking tonight is any good. It's by Honeywood. It's a Oregon-based company. And uh, let's give it a shot. Mm, that is actually pretty decent. Now, I am not a mead connoisseur. It doesn't hit my table very often, but that is not too bad. I will probably be drinking a fair quantity of that tonight, to be honest. But let's get in to the topic for tonight, the Stark Buyer's Guide. Now, if you listen to my previous episode on the Lannisters, you know that I break things up into different categories for what we're going to talk about. We will begin with our beers and wines, and those go with everything. These are the things that you're going to want to buy first. You don't necessarily have to buy them in order, but these are what you're going to start with. Then we're going to get into hard liquor. These are the boxes that you're going to want to get after you've developed a little bit of your game, gotten some experience, and are ready to try out some of the maybe more difficult units that have a little bit more nuance to them. We're going to be talking about our rot gut section, which are things that you're going to want to avoid until you get into your collector's mode and you start just, I got to buy every box. And then you pick these guys up. These are going to be the last ones that you want to get. We're going to make it a double in our double section where we discuss units that you're going to buy two or more of. And then finally, we're going to talk about our chasers. These are your neutral units that you're going to want to get that pair with the faction that we're talking about, in this case, the Starks. So, where do we begin? We begin with a starter, obviously. Just about every one of these buyer's guides is going to feature a starter to begin with. But, which starter? Again, we talked about this in the Lannister's Guide. You have two options now. You have the two-player starter that came out with the original Kickstarter five years ago now, if you can believe it, or the Stark-only starter box. It's going to be hard to go wrong in either way. I still maintain that the two-player starter box is the best bang for your buck, the best value. You get four Stark units in it with the heroes. Now you're going to need to buy new tactics cards, and that might drive a couple of you away. But I still maintain that it's the best value in the game because you have a whole nother faction's worth of stuff that you can keep for yourself or split with a friend and again these starter boxes have not been full price for a very long time so you're going to be able to get them for hundred dollars 
$80. You split that in half, you're getting a starter's box worth of units for $40 or $50. It's a heck of a deal. So you should probably look at that first. If the two-player starter does not interest you at all, or if you're looking for a starter that already has the 2021 updated tactics cards, you can get the Stark-only starter box. The main difference between that, other than the tactics cards, is that there's one different unit that comes in that box as opposed to the two-player starter. The main difference is, is you're going to get Car Stark Spearmen instead of House Stark Outriders. Now, this is a bit contentious. Uh, some players really like the Car, Tar Car Stark Spearmen. Me, personally... I think the Outriders are a better unit for you, and that might dictate your choice of what unit that you're going to end up getting first, be it the two units of Sworn Swords, the one unit of Berserkers, and either the Outriders, which is a pretty decent cavalry unit, or the Karstark Spears. They are actually in my hard liquor section. And the reason for that is, is that they just have a little bit of nuance to them about how they work. So that could drive your decision there. But in either case, you're going to want to start with a starter box. Now, let's get into our beers and wines. It's only wine. All right. First up for our beers and wines is, and you're going to notice a trend here because this type of unit also featured really high on my Lannister section, and that's Heavy Cavalry. I recommend you start with a unit of House Tully Cavaliers. Now, if you got the two-player starter and you have a unit of Outriders, now you have two cavalry units to run your army with. If you got the Stark-only starter, this is going to be your first cavalry unit, and it is a great unit. This thing hits like a truck. It buffs the morale of units around it. Very, very good unit. And really good armor. It will hang in for a fight, and they're really hard to get rid of. And being able to use cavalry is a great, great skill to develop early. That will help you get used to your positioning and how you use your units on the field. So... Getting a cavalry unit, particularly a good cavalry unit like this one early, is highly recommended. Next up, I recommend you get a unit of she-bears. House Mormont she-bears, the main particular reason why I recommend getting a unit of she-bears is because this unit comes with Warcry. And Warcry is an excellent ability in the game. It allows you to almost automatically put out two of the best tokens in the game, a vulnerable and a panic token, out on a unit just within long range. It is incredibly effective, and the She-Bears can stay in combat and hit pretty well by themselves. Warcry aside, which is the main reason you're going to bring it, but aside from that, they're pretty decent in combat. They have average defense stats and average morale, but that's still pretty good for a six-point package. I mean, getting all that for six points, it's it's a good deal. So I highly recommend you get She-Bears early. Also, I recommend you get Stark Heroes 1. Let me break down everything that you get in this one box. You get four new commanders. You get three new NCUs. You get two new attachments and two 
combat units. Let me say that again. You get two combat units included in just this hero's box. You get Eddard Stark's Honor Guard, which will be a replacement for your standard Stark Sworn Sword unit. And it just gets new stats that allow you to bring Eddard Stark as your commander. And you put him in this unit, and it's just a beefed up Stark Sworn Sword. And you also get a new wolf, which I think I failed to mention in the Stark Starter Box. You get four combat units and a wolf so you essentially get five combat units and now here's another wolf to add to your collection this box is excellent and it's hard to say that there's anything bad about stark heroes one maybe brandon hodor and summer are not the most desirable warg and wolf combos they're still really good though i actually just got beat by Brandon Hodor and Summer in my Adopticon match this last week. I attacked Brandon Hodor, and then I got charged by Summer and killed my unit and basically lost me to the game. So that combination is is still effective. And even if you see somebody on the internet say, ah, Brandon Hodor or Summer, they're not good at all, th- that's just not good in comparison to the other wolves it doesn't mean that they're bad. They're actually still pretty good. On top of that, you have the commanders and the NCUs. There's not a bad thing in this box at all. And I think it might be one of your top unit boxes to zero in on after you get your starter. You can go Heroes 1 and then Cavaliers and She-Bears, or you can split them up any combination. You won't go wrong. Next up, follow that up with Stark Heroes 2. Again, Here's another box that there's not a whole lot bad in the box. There's a couple of things that are hit and miss, but still, you're going to get yourself another wolf, your third dire wolf, and you're going to be able to pad your activations just by getting these wolves early. You can add them to your list to get your activations up, get your combat units up, and increase your field presence. And these wolves can be a problem in a lot of games. So I highly recommend getting your heroes boxes almost just solely for the fact of getting your extra wolves. In Stark Heroes 2, you also get Mira Reed and Jojen Reed. If Kranigman lists were more popular, I think you'd see these two a lot more often. Every now and then you see these guys hit the field, but again, they're not bad at all. Serio Pharrell is, when we're dealing with two-point attachments, which Serio and Jojen are, they have to be really really good otherwise they just don't see play but Sirio has some really humorous combinations because he's one of the only units in the game that still has agile instead of disrupt which can stack with disrupt along with other abilities that cause minuses to your opponent's two hit value uh, which can create some really wild combinations that can take your opponent's unit that is hitting on twos and make them hit on sixes and that is pretty darn funny now is it two points worth of funny Uh, yeah as far as the value is but you just have such a hard time fitting in two point units two point attachments into your list that he doesn't see play very often attachment that does see a lot of play though rick and stark rick and stark brings asha attachment as well for free and allows you to bring Shaggy Dog, which is probably one of the most feared direwolves in the game right now. 
that is a very, very common broad attachment and common combination to bring in a lot of lists and pairs really well with she bears because Rickon can bring the morale value down by one of your she bears to make their war cries even easier to accomplish. And then lastly, Arya Stark got a pretty good buff in the 2021 season one update. And I think she's pretty strong. She can do some really interesting maneuvering tricks on your opponent's turn, either getting a unit out of danger or putting them in a position to threaten your opponent to force their hand into making a decision that maybe they might not otherwise make. Stark Heroes 2 is a great box, and I recommend that as well. Lastly, in my recommendations, I'll stick with the theme that I mentioned in the Lannisters of bringing cavalry unit, an infantry melee unit, and an infantry long-ranged unit. And I'll recommend you get the Stark Bowmen. Now, the Stark Bowmen have fallen out of favor a little bit. They lack Sundering, which a lot of units that are crossbows have Sundering. Their ability that if their opponent fails their panic test, they lose all order abilities until the end of the round and become weakened. That's kind of cool, but it doesn't come up very often. And then... The, another thing that is cool but doesn't come up very often is their ability to ignore line of sight and I'm sorry, not ignore line of sight, but ignore intervening units and terrain when it comes to line of sight. These abilities are kind of fringe in the game and don't come up very often. So I can see why some people shy away from the bowmen, but still having that ranged threat being able to claim the swords in the beginning of a round, even though you don't have any units engaged and perform an attack from long range, is still so beneficial to your game. And it's something that you're going to want to get used to utilizing and preparing for. Because I'll tell you one thing, your opponent's going to do it. Your opponent is going to probably bring a ranged unit and they're going to be able to use those tactics against you unless you have ability to answer that with a ranged unit of your own or positioning. And the only way for you to learn is to be able to, to do it and play it on the table. So I, I recommend go ahead and get yourself a unit of Stark Bowmen. They're not bad. It's, it's mostly just for the... It's mostly just for getting used to, to the mechanics of long-ranged units. And that concludes our beers and wines. Next up, let's talk about our hard liquors. It's not easy being drunk all the time. Everyone would do it if it were easy. All right, for our hard liquors, uh, we will begin by talking about the House Tully Sworn Shields. I was tempted to include these in your beers and wines. The problem is, is the shields don't really fit with what Starks are trying to do. They're a more aggressive faction and have some maneuvering tricks. And they like to hit and be in combat and just swing back and forth and, and try to whittle you down. Tully Sworn Shields aren't really like that. What, they'll, what they like to do is to tie up a unit. And keep that unit stuck there. They're not going to be able to kill them on their own. They're mostly just tying them up so maybe other units can surround them and attack them. But Tully Sworn Shields 
are a excellent defensive unit. They're so good because they're saving on threes with shield wall. And not many other units in the game have that particular combination. There are some units that have shield wall that save on fours, and they're super annoying. There's some attachments that bring shield wall, but very few units have the ability to gain shield wall in addition to three armor. And if you want to get really crazy, you can throw a Momorant vent in there, and you're guaranteeing that that unit will be blocking four hits. They're going to automatically block four hits on top of whatever their defense does. You're essentially guaranteeing that that unit will never be attacked because no opponent will ever try to take that unit down. So if you're going into a game mode that you think you're going to want to sit a unit on an objective and have that score, even though that unit is seven points, you don't have to worry. And you can focus all your attention on the rest of the units on the field. That is a wild combination. Next up in our hard liquor section are the Kranigman Trackers. Now, the Kranigman Trackers have fallen out of favor. They were an incredibly common unit that was brought a lot in 1.6. And even, I believe, through 2021, they got a bit of a change here in Season 1 of 2021 with their hidden traps being upgraded a little bit. Kragman trackers are really squishy. And in order to get the most out of these guys, you have to be really, really good at positioning. They are only five points, so the investment in them isn't too steep. And they have, like I said, the hidden traps. They have swift retreat whenever they're attacked. They can retreat out of there so you can keep them on the move. But if they get hit hard, they're going to be feeling it because they only have six defense and seven morale. The reason why I put these guys in the hard liquor instead of the rot gut is they're still pretty decent combinations that you're able to pull off with these guys with certain commanders, certain tactics cards, that you can keep them out of combat and just annoy the heck out of your opponent with their traps. You could run a unit of these guys. You could have mirror read attachment in another unit and just bombard your opponent with hidden traps, either the free hits or slowing them down and keeping them bogged down while your other units are able to surround them and attack them. That It's worthwhile to eventually pick up a unit of Kranemig Trackers, but these are not... I do not recommend you go out and get one of these your first as one of your first boxes unless you really want to. Again, this is only recommendations. I am not saying what you should and should not do. If you love the concept of the Kranigman and you love these models, these these uh like wood elf style guys that just hide in the in the trees and and pick you off, go ahead and pick up one of these guys. I am not saying don't, but I will say if if you are in some of your first games while you're learning the game and you're trying to run these guys, I think you're going to get these guys into trouble and they're going to die and you're going to be like, well, that's no fun. Yeah, these guys take just a little bit more experience, a little bit more skill to get the most out of them. Next up, let's talk about 
the Karstark Loyalists. Now, these guys are a fairly new unit. They came out here in the last few months since uh, since I recorded this podcast. They're, they're good. They are another base infantry, very similar to the Stark Sworn Swords. Their attack is a little bit weaker. They, they don't have the ability to spike damage with critical blow like the Stark Sworn Swords do. But they do have precision. And precision can sneak up on you. Especially when you're dealing with solos, high armor units. Precision can sneak through and you'll be surprised. It's like, well, I rolled uh, four sixes. And there's nothing you can do about it. You just take four wounds. That has happened. It can happen. And you need to be prepared for it if you're on the receiving end. So you can go ahead and take these guys. And these guys are surprisingly resilient with their perseverance and valor. Every time they make a melee attack, before rolling dice, they restore a wound. So if you're attacking multiple times with these guys and you keep restoring wounds, it's very similar to the old Rose Knight's ability where they just keep attacking and and restoring. It's like, well, how do you keep healing? You, You haven't even taken the bags. Well, I keep attacking you and I keep getting guys back. These guys are not half bad. I know they were a little bit maligned when they first came out. But since then, I think people have realized that this unit actually has plenty of value. Especially being a baseline infantry unit for five points. It Again, this isn't a recommendation for one of the first boxes that you get. It's going to take a little bit to get used to, to how these guys run and getting them in the right position because these guys can easily be overwhelmed. They're one heal per melee attack. It sounds great, but if they're getting attacked two or three times around, it's not going to be able to help them keep up. So keep that in mind. They're in the hard liquor section for a reason. Next up, let's talk about the house Karstark Spearman. Uh, these guys, same boat. I mentioned these guys in the starter box. If you happen to pick up the Stark standalone starter box, these guys come in the box. These guys are cool. I know Dave here at Small Council Radio thinks these guys are bad. I do not. I have faced these guys on a couple different occasions, and they can be absolutely maddening to deal with. And one of those occasions, I faced them with Rickon and Asha in the in the unit, which brought their morale down to five. And with the bulwark formation, because he ran multiple wolves, he had his activations up, and he didn't have to activate these guys first the entire game. He out-activated me by one. So these guys were constantly at two armor. And it was impossible to break through with the units that I had on the field in conjunction with stand your ground, which prevents your enemy from getting flank charge or rear bonuses. So no rerolls on the charge, no minus one to defense for being in the flank or, and sometimes people forget about this also no minus to morales for being in the flank or rear. These guys, even though they're six points, and we talked about this with the House Tully Sworn Shields, they're not going to be killing anything on their own. They don't have the greatest attack profile. But they're able to sit somewhere and not have to worry about a whole lot, 
even if they're engaged with multiple units. If they have not activated yet, they're going to be saving on twos. And if you have some way to buff their morale, you're not going to be worried about failing panic tests either. And there's not going to be any negatives to their defense or their morale if they're surrounded on all sides. They're going to be fine. It's a wild unit. It doesn't really fit, like I said, with the House Tully Sworn Shields. It doesn't really fit with the Stark approach of being aggressive and hanging in there until the last man and just trying to kill your opponent before they kill you, hanging there on your last rank. That's not really what they're there for. But they can tie up multiple units and just frustrate the heck out of your opponent if, the, if your opponent is dead set on trying to kill them. So they're actually a lot of fun, and they're worth giving a shot later on in your unit box acquisition. Uh, next up, let's talk about House Umber Great Axes. These guys are weird. These guys, I went back and forth on on whether I wanted to feature them in the Rot Gut section or here in Hard Liquor. I settled on Hard Liquor because I don't want you to avoid these guys. I don't think that they that their problems are really based on their abilities or their, their unit card itself. I think the problem that a lot of players have with the Great Axes are just their perception and their cost. Seven point unit, which from a lot of the infantry that we've talked about, it's one or two more points more than all the other infantry that we talked about. It's a pretty solid investment. Their attack profile is really strong. They come with Sundering, which is really good. They have Unyielding, which is great. Okay, I lied. I don't think Unyielding is great. In this case, I think it's good. I just don't like Unyielding in general, especially in a good morale unit. But I'll come back to that. Four defense and five morale is pretty good. If that was it, that was all that the unit came with, it's a six-point unit. A really good six-point unit. It might be too good. But in addition, for that extra point, you have this little hidden nugget of an ability that enemies suffer an additional minus one to their defense dice rolls for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. So this is this could be uber sundering. This could be sundering times three. It's not quite as good as no defense saves, like pyromancers. Or what House Umber Great Axes used to be. They used to actually have an ability that did not allow defense saves. Now, is that particular ability worth an additional point? Probably not. But because if they were six points without that ability, they would be too good. Just add that little extra nugget on top of that and making them seven. I don't think it's actually that bad. I don't think that these guys could be cost deducted. Forgive me, I am going into unit breakdowns here in my buyer's guide, but I just want to try to express the problems that I had in deciding whether or not I could recommend this unit in, in general. Because here in Hard Liquors, these are recommends. These are units that I recommend that you get. And the rock gut section is only for units that I don't recommend that I suggest that you avoid. I don't suggest you avoid great axes. 
the perception out there in the community is that this unit is bad. I don't think that it is. I think it's right there on the verge of being perfectly fine. And I think if they messed with it too much, I think it would be too good. So I'm just right there on the edge. This is the long way of me saying I'm right there on the edge of recommending this or not recommending this. I'm going to go ahead and recommend you try it because it still hits really hard. And if it's on its last rank and you start adding cards to this that lets you get back to full ranks or uh, adding Vicious or things like that, getting your rerolls, that sort of thing, you can add cards to this that when they are on their last rank is going to be a nightmare for some units to deal with. But we'll just uh, we'll just leave it there on the Great Axis. I think I have spent more time on that unit in particular than any other unit that I've talked about in this episode so far. We'll go ahead and move on. Great Axes are in the hard liquor. They are not in the rock gut. Last up for our hard liquor section. Stark Attachments 1. Now, in the last episode, the Attachments box was in the uh, the Rot Gut section. It was bad. This Attachments box, not so bad. In this box, you get copies of the Umber Champion, the Sworn Sword Captain, Kranigman Warden, and the Mormont Veteran. Now, all of these come in boxes that we've already seen. The new units that we get that we haven't seen yet are the Kranigman Survivalist and the Winterfell Guardian. Now, we'll talk about this in the Make It a Double section. There are not any units in the game that I think that you absolutely have to have more than one box of for the Starks. I don't think that you need to buy a whole lot of doubles for the Starks. So because of that, you're not going to be getting that many Kranigman Wardens or Mormont Veterans. So you might want to go ahead and get this box so you're going to be able to have multiples if you really want them. The Kranigman Survivalist is actually really tricky, especially when you combine them with units, let's say, Dervishes, or in a list with Arya NCU, or... Uh, units that have uh, set for charge or free retreats, that sort of thing. You're going to be able to do some really cool maneuvering tricks with Elusive Escape and be able to get behind a lot of units that and you're the, your opponent's going to have a hard time dealing with because they're not able to turn around and face, along with Pathfinder. Pathfinder is a really cool ability. Sometimes your opponent's going to forget that that unit has Pathfinder and you're going to run over a set of stakes and your opponent's going to be like, ha-ha, now you're going to take wounds. Nope, don't have to. I have Pathfinder. I can go wherever I want. And that's it's pretty cool. So Kragma Survivalist is pretty good. Winterfell Guardian, also really good. Has Dauntless and Stubborn Tenacity. You throw him on a unit of Tully Cavaliers or, I mean, just about any other decently morale cavalry unit and it's it's going to be it's going to be worthwhile for the one point that you that he has so i've seen him used and used to good effect the stark attachment box is not one to avoid it's actually one that you could probably pick up probably the very last box 
that you pick up on your quest of things that you're going to want to play with, you can make the Stark Attachments box the last one. All right. Now, with our hard liquor out of the way, let's cover the rock gut. Drink. Drink. All right. We knew it was going to happen. Our rot gut section. Starting off with, this should come as no surprise because this unit has been received rather poorly up till now. The House Mormont Bruisers. These guys are kind of unfortunate. They have decent offense with their attack profile and their abilities. But Counter-Strike on its own, without Disrupt, is a little bit problematic. And the other thing that's really problematic, 5 Defense and 6 Morale on a 7-point unit. That's a tough pill to swallow. Because you want your units to be in combat and swinging. But if you can't defend against units that are attacking you back, you're not going to be hanging around very long. You might hit that one rank, and you might be able to pop their attack that gives you all of the keywords in their spike and mace profile, but you're probably only going to get one unless you have Tycho in your back pocket or some other way to get heals out. And then after that, the unit's toast. And seven points. Typically, you need a wild attack profile to justify poor defense on a seven point unit i'm thinking pyromancers pyromancers are saving on six and they have six morale but you know what else they do they ignore your opponent's defense dice they just go straight to wounds and they have a short ranged attack so you don't even have to be in combat to be able to pull that off now i know they have other downsides But that's an example of what I'm talking about when your attack profile has to be so good if you're going to be an expensive unit that has bad defense. And it is hard for me to justify the Mormont bruises as they are. Now, this could come from a point of ignorance. I, to be honest, have not seen very many Mormont bruisers on the table or on TTS. I think there's a reason why. But maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead and hop on the Discord, Small Council Radio Discord. If you think that Mormont Bruisers are good and you've had good games with them, I'd love to hear it. I just haven't seen any myself. I haven't heard of any myself. And I think that Mormont Bruisers are looked at rather poorly right now. And I think it's justified. Last up. Only two units in our Rotgut section is Stark Heroes 3. Stark Heroes 3, there's been a lot of negative things said about a lot of the things that come in this box. Now, there's still some good things in here. Don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about an entire unit box, if you're buying retail for 35 bucks, and there's only maybe one or two things in there that are actually worthwhile, I recommend you avoid it. Unless those two things are something you really, really, really want. In the meantime, you could probably just proxy it. But here in Stark Heroes 3, we have Rob Stark NCU, which has essentially outflank as an NCU ability. Nobody likes outflank. 
everybody thinks that outflank needs to be reworked to be better. A lot of the units that have outflank aren't played very well, or very much. And even when they are played, they're not always outflanked. They're just deployed as normal. Because it's just so hindering to leave a unit off the table and deploy it later. It cuts your inactivation. It forces you to play the tactics board a certain way, which may not be what you would want to do. Yeah, Rob Stark, King in the North. Cool concept, but because of the way that Outflank is and the way that his wording is on the card, it's it's just really, really restrictive and not worth it. Uh, Liana Mormont, really cool NCU. This would probably be one of the bright spots here in the box. Uh, there's hardly any downside to it. You just get good stuff. You influence a unit, and you get abilities based on how many combat units have died. Like I said, Starks want to be in combat. They want to kill things. And according to Liana Mormont, you want things to be killed. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, that's how combat in the game works. You're going to kill your enemy's unit. Your enemy's going to kill your units. And she rewards you for doing so. It's actually really cool. Uh, Eddard Stark, Hand of the King. Super expensive at six points. Uh, the abilities are great. I think he's he's really good, but for six points, it's got to be really, really, really good. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time building your list around it. Rickard Stark, Commander, he's he's all right. He's he's okay. Mage Mormont, okay. Rickard Stark, Attachment, meh. Mage Mormont, Attachment, meh. Here's the last thing that that left me on the fence about Stark Heroes 3. I'm wondering if I wanted to include him in the, the hard liquor section or keep him in rot gut. And that's the Brendan Tully commander and the Brendan Tully attachment. These two things were stuck behind the Kickstarter wall for a long time. They were available to people that were in the original Kickstarter. But these guys were either prevented from appearing in tournaments because not everybody had access to them or they were allowed and then you kind of felt bad because you didn't have it and you had to you know, maybe proxy or try to work out a deal with the TO. It's like, well, I want to run Brendan Commander. It, it, was, it was a pain in the neck. And finally he got released. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a whole lot of good stuff to go with him in this box. And it could be worthwhile to get him because it's fun. Having a mounted commander is a lot of fun. It allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, like run a full cavalry army, and Starks have access to some pretty good cavalry. I'm still going to keep them in the rocket section, though. I'm going to keep this box in the rocket section just because it, it has too many negatives to justify the few positives as a as a box that you're just going to want to run out there and buy. It could probably be the first box that you get after you've gotten all the other boxes that you want to get or that you think you agree with my recommendation for. I would just put Stark Heroes 3 towards the end. I wouldn't prioritize it. Just get it a little later. And that's it. Starks actually have a lot of good options and they only had two boxes that I would recommend avoiding. At least early on, until you get in your collection phase. Now, let's make it a double. You're so drunk, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, 
one for each of you. Now, I know that's not a Game of Thrones quote, but you know what else? I don't care! Alright, so I mentioned this before. There are not very many units in Starks that you're going to want to get two or more of. Maybe you could get two She-Bears, double up on Warcry. Like I said before, they're good in melee. And they can hang in there and they get stronger as their ranks go down. They're not a bad unit and you might run two of them. Now you might have your tokens start overlapping, especially if your opponent really spreads their army out and keeps you know units from being able to be targeted by multiple versions of Warcry. But then again, it's really hard to do. And if your opponent is doing that, they might have left themselves open for you to take advantage of those openings. So might be worthwhile to get a second unit of She-Bears. Another unit that you might get two of, and this just feeds my heavy cavalry kick that I've been on lately, another unit of House Tully Cavaliers. Heavy cavalry is so good. It is so good. They hit hard, and they can hang in there in combat with their defense. And while I love the Knights of Casterly Rock and their retribution for when they're attacked with their Lannister supremacy, the Cavaliers and Bolden's ability is probably better. It's more utility. It's more beneficial to the rest of your army. It's not just simply retribution effect. And also, it's a retribution effect that can fail. They can still pass their Lannister supremacy check. While Embolden is always on. It's always benefiting your units that are in short range. And if you're running you know, two of these guys, Embolden won't stack with itself. But it does increase your bubble of benefit to your army. So might be worthwhile to get two Cavaliers. But beyond that, I would just focus on getting one of each of the units that I recommended. And for Starks themselves, they like having the variety in their army. They like having access to a lot of different effects and be able to do their positioning to get those units into the most advantageous positions possible. I would focus on that rather than trying to get like two, three, four units of a particular type. That's not necessarily the way that you're going to want to build Starks, I don't think. And lastly, let's chase all of this down with some neutral goodness. Fuck the water. Bring me wine. I always drink before a fight. All right, just a few neutrals to discuss. Uh, Not too many. This is probably going to appear in every chaser section. Flayed men. I love heavy cavalry, and flayed men are, are really good. Like I said, these guys are going to hang in combat with their defense, and they're going to be forcing panic tests. Now, the Starks don't necessarily play into panic all that much. They can. They have some cards like uh, Northern Ferocity that can play into panic. Some commanders that I think can play into panic a little bit. But Flayed Men are just a good option. And Starks have other aggressive cards that can benefit Flayed Men. They give Flayed Men Sundering, which is super scary to deal with. Flayed Men's always a good box. You should have yourself a Flayed Men, maybe two, possibly three. 
don't know. I won't judge. I'm just kidding. Don't you don't get three unless you're playing neutrals. Next up, cutthroats. House Bolt and Cutthroats also fit really well in the Starks. A list featuring House Bolt and Cutthroats won Nationals this year. It's a good unit in Starks. It's a very good complementary piece to other units in Starks, like the Stark Sworn Swords or the She-Bears. Strong attack profile, getting into the panic shenanigans like we talked about. Just hitting your opponent hard before your opponent can hit you back. It's it's really good, and Cutthroats fit really well with what the Starks try to do. Uh, next up, Bolton Bastards Girls. Now, I didn't mention the Bastards Girls in the last section. I don't, in my last podcast, I don't feel like the Bastards Girls fit with what the Lannisters try to do, but I think it fits with what the Starks try to do. You're going to be peppering some damage from long range and making units vulnerable. The Bastard Girls don't necessarily have to take advantage of that vulnerable token. They could just set the table for another unit to come in and take advantage of the, that vulnerable token. Or they could charge in themselves and, again, go for that Alpha Strike hit. If you play Winter's Bite and give these Bastard Girls Sundering after they just shot and triggered a panic test, made somebody vulnerable, and now they're coming in with sundering and vicious that's a really hard hit and they have commanders that fit bastards girls really well he doesn't see a whole lot of play but i really like roderick commander and roderick and bastards girls with some of the cards that he has access to so good so i'd actually recommend you pick up a unit bastard girls and lastly of course i recommend you get neutral heroes one there's just so many good there's a couple good commanders there's good NCUs. You know, Peter Baelish is the, let's just say it. Peter Baelish is the most used NCU in the game. Bar none. Probably one of the best NCUs in the game. You can fit him in any list. Any. Any list. It doesn't matter which faction you're talking about, except for Free Folk. It doesn't matter what the list, what the faction is. Peter Baelish is going to be able to fit in it and do really well. So. If you just pick up a box, and I rec- I didn't, <laughs> I, I recommended against this course of action earlier in the podcast for picking up a box just for a unit or two, Peter Baelish is almost worth it on his own. But there's other stuff in the box that's just as good. I think you should pick up Neutral Heroes 1 to close out our Chasers section. And we have completed the Buyer's Guide for House Stark. Now, let me reiterate. This is not, there's no hard evidence backing up any of these suggestions that I talked about. They're my point of view. I thought about this for a while. I put together a list in my little notes app here, and I just regurgitated it out to you guys. If you think that these are helpful, let me know. Hop on the Discord, hop on Facebook, drop me a message. And let us know. And I'll keep doing these. I plan on completing all of the factions. So next up, I think we're going to cover Free Folk and Night's Watch. I decided that I'm going to go in order of release. So next up will be Night's Watch and Free Folk. After that will be Targaryens and Baratheons. And we'll keep going from there until I cover them all. All Alright? I hope you enjoyed. And... 
I think I need another drink. You're still here. Why? You seem rather drunk. 